0: V.C.Y. America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at
1: vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And friends, thank you for joining us on Crosstalk here on V.C.Y. America. Ladies and gentlemen, when you consider the events that are unfolding around the world and you add to that matters going on within the United States, one would come away thinking, how can so much chaos be unfolding at one time? I mean, there are wars and and even threats of additional wars in many locations around this globe. As we speak today, another U.N. event is just getting underway. And even next week, yet more negotiations and planning on the pending global pandemic treaty. Such matters would destroy the sovereignty of nations around the world. And internally, our borders are vastly open. Millions that have come in since the Biden administration came into control. Uh, We are quickly headed toward economic collapse and putting policies in place to destroy reliable energy, uh, to control our food supply, to control our health care system, our education system, attack private property ownership, advance population control. Is this all by coincidence Or is there a concerted effort to usher in this chaos and bring about control from another source? Is there really a plan to bring the United States to its knees and to surrender to global governance? And if so, who's behind it? We invite you to stay tuned today as we discuss what's behind the deep state. Joining us is Alex Newman, an award-winning international freelance journalist. He's an author, researcher, educator, and consultant, senior editor for The New American, co-author of Crimes of the Educators, author of Deep State, The Invisible Government, Behind the Scenes. He is founder of Liberty Sentinel. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: It's an honor to be here thank you for
1: having me jim uh, alex i only described in great brevity what's taking place simultaneously and you have done extensive research into the deep state and even beyond that the deep state behind the deep state and first uh I, it's important i believe alex for our listeners to know that all these things happening are not random nor are they just coincidences but really part of a plan uh and i know some would say i'm wearing a tinfoil hat but what say you
0: yeah, at this point, I think it's becoming increasingly difficult for the coincidence theorists to uh, perpetuate this idea that all of these things are just giant coincidences. Um, as our great uh, Secretary of War was reported to have said uh, um, back uh, in the nineteen thirties, I believe. Uh, you know, if all and into the forties, if all of these policy fiascos were merely accidents and coincidences, every once in a while we would have a mistake in our favor. And yet uh, that is not what's happening. We see just in every possible way all of these things moving us in the same direction toward a one-world system, toward the elimination of our individual liberties, toward the elimination of our ability to uh, have religious freedom, to worship God. Uh, We see just a full-blown attack on Everything that is in God's Word, all the truth, all the moral codes that God has revealed to us—so all of it is under coordinated attack. And at this point, you know, it's—it's it's not really speculation or theory anymore. I mean, a lot of the individuals who have been doing this are publicly bragging about what they're doing. And I would say Exhibit A, uh, you know, we just had Henry Kissinger pass away. Um, Henry Kissinger's boss for a long time, David Rockefeller, actually one of the guys who recruited him into this globalist movement, if you will, uh, he admitted on page 405 of his own autobiography, it's called Memoirs. Anybody that's listening to us can go get this at their local library. He admits on page 405, and I'm quoting verbatim, some even believe that we are part of a secret cabal, talking we as in the Rockefeller family, Uh, working against the best interests of my own country and conspiring with internationalists or globalists, as we call them today, around the world, to build a one-world political and economic order. And then in the very next sentence, he says, if that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. So here we have, he's passed away now, but here we have one of the most powerful and wealthy individuals on the face of the planet bragging that he's conspiring with a secret cabal against the best interests of our country, the United States of America, to build a one-world political and economic order. It cannot get more clear and more smoking-gun-ish, if you will, than that. And so the people who are arguing that these things are all just a coincidence and there's no design here, uh, frankly, just need to look at the evidence.
1: So let's define this deep state. Uh, Is that what exactly it is, the secret cabal?
0: Well, the, the term deep state has only recently entered the popular lexicon in the United States of America. This really started around 2016. Uh, there was actually a congressional staffer who, who first, in a significant way, applied it to the kind of establishment in the United States, if you will. Um, his, uh, the uh, congressional staffer was last named Lofgren. He wrote a book about this. And he, he kind of defines the deep state as the intelligence agencies, kind of the the forces behind the scenes within the government that want to control policy. He also brings in Wall Street. He says Wall Street is a very important, maybe one of the most important nodes of the deep state. He talks about the big tech companies and all of this. Um, And and I think there is a real validity to what he's talking about. Uh, Typically, when, when Donald Trump has been talking about the deep state or his allies in his administration have talked about the deep state, they've often been referring to kind of the forces within the federal government, the entrenched bureaucracy, if you will, the senior executive service, things like this, um, that are trying to control and manipulate policy contrary to the wishes of their boss, who during the Donald Trump years was Donald Trump. Uh, And so all of those, I think, are valid and important understandings of the term deep state. But what I think is even more important than just looking at the superficial level, which virtually all Americans recognize this, even back, I think it was in 2017, maybe it was 2018, Monmouth University Polling Institute did a poll of Americans. And uh, the way they defined the deep state was a secret group of uh, government, military, and security personnel who are trying to secretly control the policy of the United States. And that's an adequate definition. But I think even more important than the people within the government, if you will, are the people in the kind of organizations and societies that are behind the scenes. Uh, Some of them, Not necessarily secret, but I call that the deep state behind the deep state, just to differentiate from kind of popular understanding of these forces in government.
1: So let's deal first with the deep state, then we'll look at some of these organizations, because it's not only what it is, but who it is. And you've indicated, Alex, they can be stopped, but they've got to be identified and they have to be exposed. So uh, you've already mentioned, you know, Rockefeller here, but uh, who have been the historical players and, and who do we see current on the scene?
0: Yeah, and there are a lot of names associated with this. David Rockefeller is obviously he, he was one of the huge players for several generations. He chaired organizations like the Council on Foreign Relations. He chaired you know the mega banks, uh, Chase Manhattan, things like this. He was a very influential figure in his own right. Uh, and we see some of their minions, I guess you might say, above ground. I think George Soros is another good example to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I would not by any means suggest that George Soros is like the, the head of the deep state, if anything, a front man for the deep state, Um And and if you look at his background and how he became so wealthy, um, you actually see this very clearly, right? He he got uh, seed funding for his quantum fund that was set up in Switzerland from uh, another family, a very wealthy family, a family with so much wealth that makes George Soros look like a pauper, uh, called the Rothschild family. This is a, a very wealthy European family with roots stretching back centuries. And uh, their pet historian who wrote the uh, the biography about the family, uh, his name is Niall Ferguson. He's actually the guy who, who wrote uh, Kissinger's official biography as well, incidentally. So he's kind of like the, the court historian, if you will, for the insiders. Um, he himself said in the book on the Rothschild that they were so powerful that they decided over 200 years ago the outcome of the war between Britain and France under Napoleon. Now imagine the kind of power to decide the outcome of a war between the two most powerful governments on the planet at that time. Um, the, the, The level of power and wealth that we're talking about here Goes way beyond what normal people can imagine. Uh, it's just, it's almost unfathomable. And yet they've been operating behind the scenes. And that's one of several families. There, there are plenty of others uh, involved. But so George Soros got his start with Rothschild money. Uh, he made an enormous amount of money. I mean, his fund was making thousands of percent return every year. Uh, we know for a fact that George Soros has been engaged in insider trading. Uh, he was convicted in a French court of insider trading. And so I think it gives you kind of a a sense of how this really works. You've got people like Bill Gates, people like Klaus Schwab, who was actually recruited by Henry Kissinger. You've got uh, these uh, oligarchs, if you will, who, who really do see themselves as superior to the rest of us. And, you know, when you get to... The really significant question is, who is ultimately in charge? I think we just need to go to the Bible. The Bible tells us very, very clearly, uh, refers to him as the God of this age, the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Uh, so a lot of different terms that the Bible uses, but we're talking actually about Satan. So Wow,
1: wow. Uh, Alex, uh, you also bring forth uh, what may be shocking to some is the, the fact that in this network, That it it transcends party lines. There's conservatives in this, there's liberals, there's Protestants, there's Catholics. How can such groups with opposing ideologies be on the same page of this issue?
0: It's a very good question. And, and, uh, you know, when you look at, for example, the religious divide, I think the simple answer is a lot of these people don't actually take their religion seriously. They, they publicly identify as a Methodist or a Catholic or a Jew, but they don't really take it seriously. And, and in many cases, they tell you this, right? George Soros was very open, is very open about the fact that he's an atheist. He has repeatedly said that he feels like God himself. I mean, these are the ravings of, of a madman, right? Feel like God. I mean, what kind of crazy thought is that? Um, and, and I think the same thing is true with many of these guys who pretend to be Christian. Maybe they come from a Christian family, but uh, you know, by their fruit ye shall know them. And uh, very clearly, people who are trying to reduce the population of the planet, people who are waging war on uh, Christian values, biblical principles, uh, right and wrong—you uh, know—very clearly, this is not fruit that would that would uh, suggest that these people are Christians. And so they may call themselves Protestants, they may call themselves Catholics, but do they actually subscribe to the faith that they? Claim to belong to, and mm-hmm. I think the answer is very simply no. And the same is true at the party level, right? You, you look at the establishment Democrats and the establishment Republicans when they're out running for office. Yes, they'll they'll talk like their base. Uh, Dick Cheney is a very good example. Uh, he, he bragged in a video that he was a director at the Council on Foreign Relations for a long time. He, he bragged that he would never tell the voters back home in Wyoming when he was running for reelection. So when they're on the campaign trail, they'll talk like they think mm-hmm. the population wants them to talk. But behind closed doors, they're all in the same club, and you're not in it.
1: But, but one of these that has been promoting this New World Order, Great Reset, is the Pope himself.
0: Yeah, and, and this is really interesting. The The Pope, I think, has become one of the foremost promoters— of this agenda. And it's very troubling to a lot of Catholics. In fact, just less than two weeks ago, I was in Baltimore. We crashed the uh, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Uh, Me and uh, some others, there was a big press conference held by a coalition of Catholic organizations, conservative Catholic organizations. And of course, I'm not Catholic, but um, I'm very happy to explain to Catholic leaders and Catholic laity what I know about the global warming process, what I've seen uh, by going to these summits, and what I've seen in terms of the scientific fraud that's being perpetrated on humanity mm-hmm. and um, I'll tell you what there is a lot of concern, even at the highest levels of the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. Um, in fact, I, I spoke at an event in Miami, uh, the, the uh, Reawaken America event just uh, I think a month ago, and right before me was Archbishop Vigano, uh, who's you know one of the top officials in the Vatican hierarchy. And, and he's talking about this diabolical and satanic agenda. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting what's going on with this pope. He's a little bit different than previous popes. He comes from a Jesuit background. He very clearly has embraced some of the Marxist principles that uh, that are so uh, intertwined with liberation theology that the KGB tried to spread among Catholics in Latin America— So, uh, you know, Pope Francis is really radical from a Catholic perspective. Uh, In fact, many of the things that he's teaching are flagrant contradictions of Catholic theology and Catholic doctrine, uh, to the point where you've had multiple Catholics. I've interviewed Catholic priests and others that he's teaching doctrine to demons.
1: Wow. Alex Newman with us here today. Friends, we're probing what's behind the deep state, and uh, when we come back... We're going to look further into these organizations uh, labeled the deep state behind the deep state. Back in one minute, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher
2: with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, how old are the glaciers of Greenland? You know, Chris, the glaciers of Greenland are many thousands of feet thick, leading many to conclude that it would take long periods of time for the snow to build up. Well, here's something to think about. Two American planes from World War II had to be abandoned on a Greenland glacier. Some 50 years later, a group went back to try and find and restore those now rare aircraft. It turned out they were buried beneath 250 feet of solid ice. Obviously, it doesn't take many thousands of years to build up that huge thickness. The expeditioners retrieved one of those planes and have now restored it, and it can be seen at air shows around the country. Chris, when we see this plane fly, we can enjoy the fact that this is just another evidence that the back to Genesis truth of creation is accurate.
1: For more on creation,
2: visit our website at www.icr.org.
1: This is Crosstalk coming your way from VCY America. Alex Newman is with us today, international freelance journalist, uh, senior editor for The New American. Their website, thenewamerican.com, founder of Liberty Sentinel. You'll find his articles, liberty libertysentinel.org, today discussing what's behind the deep state. And and uh, Alex, when we talk about a deep state behind a deep state, it sounds rather creepy here, but uh, let's give some identifications. And I know we could spend a full program on every one of these individually, but maybe in just a, a few paragraphs or a minute or so on each uh Tell us about some of these, one of which, let's begin with the CFR. You mentioned them earlier, the Council on Foreign Relations.
0: So I think the Council on Foreign Relations is one of the most important organizations really in the world, uh, certainly in the United States of America. Um, It was founded uh, over 100 years ago, back in 1921, and the genesis of this organization, you actually had the establishment basically realizing that Americans weren't going to go for globalism. Uh, world War I had finished, and they had tried to get the nations of the world wrapped up into this uh, League of Nations, so-called. And the Senate overwhelmingly, and I mean overwhelmingly, uh, defeated that proposed measure, and... uh you know from from there the uh, the elitists the people who were determined to get us sucked into a global organization said wow we are going to need <laughs> some really serious efforts to get these people these uh, Americans on board with uh, this agenda so they created the council on foreign relations it actually was under the leadership of uh, quote-unquote colonel edward mandel house and he wasn't an actual colonel he just liked to use the title wow. but a very very powerful individual you get a good sense of his ideology by reading a book he wrote called philip drew administrator and it's a fascinating book it basically calls for a technocratic form of government right you get you want to get rid of most self-government you want to have a big government control pretty much everything and um that was really his ideology. He was a socialist in the true sense of the term. Uh, he was the top advisor to President Woodrow Wilson. In fact, a lot of people called him Woodrow Wilson's brain. And uh, so he kind of took the lead on this. And there's actually a, a, even more background to it than that, without getting too far afield. Uh, Cecil Rhodes, a very, very wealthy mining magnate. Uh, he's, he's very well known for his operations in southern Africa. In fact, there was a country named after him, Rhodesia, until uh, Henry Kissinger, and... Um, uh, Jimmy Carter and others decided to throw them to the wolves and hand it over to Robert Mugabe, a mass-murdering Marxist. But so this uh, individual, Cecil Rhodes, had accumulated a massive fortune. In fact, a lot of his business ventures were funded by the Rothschild dynasty that we discussed earlier. And when he died, he left in his will instructions for the creation of uh, a series of secretive organizations, kind of using a concentric circle model, where you'd have the the, the nucleus, the power center, kind of directing what was going on in all the outer rings of this organization. And so they set up organizations around the world. In the U.K., they set up the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is often today known as the sister organization of the Council on Foreign Relations. And if you read Cecil Rhodes, if you read the people he was working with, Alfred Milner and others, uh, they really saw as the end goal uh, a one-world system where basically the British Empire, or at least the ideas of the British Empire, would rule over the globe, and um, you'd have a one-world system. So that's kind of the genesis of the Council on Foreign Relations. Now, over the years, it accumulated more and more and more power to the point where by the time we got to the 1950s, 1960s, this organization absolutely dominated policymaking within the U.S. government, especially when it came to foreign policy. Um, It's a long story of how that came about, but it got to the point where almost every member of the cabinet for multiple presidential administrations, Republican and Democrat, was recruited from the ranks of the Council on Foreign Relations. They've Mm -hmm. only got about 5,000 members. They uh, published most of their membership list on the Internet. Um, I actually republished the the membership list in the back of my book on the deep state because uh, it's very, very important for us to identify who these people are. And to give folks a sense of the power of this group, um, you know, and I, I could talk about it for a week, Jim, as you know, but yeah. uh, Hillary Clinton, when she was serving as Secretary of State, she gave a talk to the CFR when they opened a satellite office in D.C., and she said, oh, it's great, you guys are going to have this office here. Now I won't have to go as far to be told what I should be doing and how um, I should be thinking about the future. Yeah. And, so here we are thinking that she's working for Obama, she's working for the American people, she's working you know, to, response, to respond to Congress, and really she's telling us publicly she's working to follow the instructions of the Council on Foreign Relations. Um, Joe Biden in uh, 2016, I believe it was, when he was uh, vice president, maybe it was 2015, um, he's sitting up on stage with the president of the Council on Foreign Relations, Richard Haas, and uh, Richard Haas introduces himself. He says, hi, I, I'm Richard Haas. I work here at the Council on Foreign Relations. And Joe Biden chuckles a little bit and says, well, and I work for Richard. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll say one more thing to, to kind of illustrate the power of this group. And, and I know there's so many others we could talk about when we want to move on. But um, we had a defector from there. His name was Admiral Chester Ward. Uh, obviously, he was a, a top military official. And he had been invited to join. He spent 16 years as a member. And he eventually defected from the organization, and he teamed up with the great Phyllis Schlafly. They wrote a book together about it uh, called Kissinger on the Couch. And um, this book is just extraordinary in terms of the insight that it offers about this organization. Um, He explains that the the goal of the organization is to uh, basically surrender the sovereignty of the United States to an all-powerful one-world government. I mean, those, those are his words. Um, he says there's no term that they hate more than America first. And, um, you know, he says if you want to know the policy of the U.S. government a few years in advance, all you really need to do is sign up for their magazine. It's called Foreign Affairs, and uh, he, he goes through the process. They pitch it in this magazine, and then within a couple of years, that becomes the policy of the United States. Uh, so fascinating, fascinating story. It's an organization that very few Americans are familiar with, and yet they have a website. So
1: and- And as I mentioned, you call this the most powerful think tank in the United States. And friends, you can hear the the you know, the uh, the influence this has had upon our nation's leaders. Uh, Alex, you mentioned you've got, uh, you know, an addendum there in your book or an appendix in your book that lists the names at at that time. Uh, How is uh, how can our listeners even obtain your book, Crimes of the the, uh, Deep State Book, The Invisible Government Behind the Scenes?
0: Yeah, there's a few ways to get it. Uh, unfortunately, Amazon sells it for like 90 bucks. I don't know why that is. I don't make any of that money, so you know I hope people don't think that I'm just getting rich off of it. Uh, I do sell it through my website. Uh, it's available at libertysentinel.org. Uh, there's a button that says shop or store. You can go to libertysentinel.org forward slash shop, and you can pick it up there. Uh, I think it's like 12.50 plus shipping and handling. So um, you know we're not Amazon. It takes us a little longer than Amazon to get it out. But uh, if people buy it through there, we will sign it. We will send it. It's a lot cheaper than Amazon. uh, And also it can be obtained directly from the publisher, Western Islands, and uh, from certain bookstores around the country.
1: Okay, libertysentinel.org. So that's the Council on Foreign Relations. You also identify the Trilateral Commission. Who are they?
0: So, the Trilateral Commission uh, has some very strong similarities with the Council on Foreign Relations, but also some key differences. So, the, the Trilateral Commission was set up by David Rockefeller and Zbigniew Brzezinski. Uh, it's a very interesting story. So, Zbigniew Brzezinski was a professor at Columbia University, and he wrote a book um, basically calling for global technocracy. <laughs> it was uh, "America Between Two Ages: America's Role in the Technotronic Era," and. Um, what he argues is that essentially the American model is obsolete. We need to move beyond this. Uh, he does praise Marxism as like the next step forward in human evolution. Um, he does have some you know, mild criticism, relatively speaking, of the Soviet Union and Soviet system. But he portrays Marxism as kind of this next step forward. But he says, ultimately, we need to get to uh, kind of a technocratic system, right, with it, that fuses some of the elements of the free market system, some of the elements of Marxism into this kind of scientifically engineered and controlled society. Um, very interesting book. And so David Rockefeller got a copy of this book and loved it. He absolutely loved it. So he uh, he got together with Zbigniew Brzezinski. They set up the Trilateral Commission. Now, one of the things that distinguishes the Trilateral Commission from – State Council on Foreign Relations or the Bilderberg Group that hopefully we'll have a chance to talk a little bit about, uh, is that it brings in some agents, right? So the Trilateral Commission brings in experts and leaders from North America, uh, United States and Canada primarily. Uh, It brings in experts from Western Europe, academics, politicians, things like this, policymakers. uh, And then it brings in experts from Japan, some of the elites in Japan. So that's where the Trilateral comes from, Europe, North America, and uh, East Asia, particularly Japan. Uh, Much smaller organization, um, just a few hundred people are members at any given time at most, um, but very, very influential. In fact, if you look in the Biden administration, the senior levels of the administration are absolutely packed with members of the Trilateral Commission right now.
1: Alex, I understand they also are pushing for what's called a new international economic order. What does that look like?
0: Yeah, so that's their big vision, right? The new international economic order is what they call uh, kind of their their goal, right? They're working toward this new international economic order. And uh, it is best described, actually, the man who wrote more on this than anybody else and who did, I think, the best job was a historian, Anthony Sutton from Stanford University. He worked with uh, my friend Patrick Wood, uh, excellent, excellent researcher and investigator, to write uh, a, a series of books. I think there was two of them. There was Trilaterals over Washington and then Trilaterals over Washington, too. And um, they, they actually describe this economic system that the uh, new international economic order is supposed to represent as technocracy. And so there's a lot of background there. Technocracy was an idea that came out of Columbia University almost 100 years ago, where um, basically you would eliminate self-government. There's no more need for politicians. They have a, a, an incredible disdain for politicians. And they argued to kind of very crudely summarized it. They argue that society ought to really be controlled by scientists and engineers in the name of efficiency. And so energy, or in our case now, CO2 would be the, the primary unit of control. And so you're given an energy budget, or what it looks like is most likely now a CO2 budget, which would be representative of your energy budget, and then, uh, you know, you have a little bit of freedom within that budget, but everything then is ultimately controlled by this scientific uh, and engineering elite, where you don't have any more need for voting, anything like that, uh, but the system will take care of you in exchange for your freedom. And they want this at the global level. So,
1: Wow, wow. Well, friends, we're talking about the, the deep state right now behind the deep state and looking at some of these groups, Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission. Alex, you also mentioned the Bilderberg Group. Tell us about them.
0: So the Bilderberg Group is a a more secretive organization. Uh, The Trilateral Commission also has a website like the CFR, so these are not secret societies per se. Um, You know, you can find them online. Bilderberg recently created a website, but that was a new innovation. So this was a a group that was started back in the 1950s. Uh, The first meeting was held at the Bilderberg Hotel in the Netherlands, I believe 1954. And obviously David Rockefeller, Henry Kissinger were a huge, huge part of this, Mm -hmm. along with the royal family in the Netherlands. Uh, and many, many other powerhouses. And so they meet once a year. It is uh, typically reserved for Europeans and Americans and Canadians, although they've made a few exceptions. They've allowed in some Russians. They've allowed in some uh, some from Turkey have come in. Um, there was even a member of the Communist Party of China there a couple of years ago, which, you know, that was unusual. But uh, they get together typically between 120 and 180 people each year. And these are the leaders of all the important sectors, industries, governments, et cetera, that you can think of. So you get a lot of presidents, you get a lot of prime ministers, you get a lot of royalty, uh, you get a lot of um, senior leadership of uh, military and intelligence agencies, Uh, you get the CEOs of a lot of the biggest companies in the world, uh, especially in the Western world, And uh, they get together, totally secret, closed doors. Uh, Recently, they've started putting out press releases where they give you like a few talking points about what they say they're going to be talking about, but nothing in depth. They'll say like China, immigration, Europe, things like that. And they say the secrecy, the reason it's closed doors and no media is to speak frankly, but we can pick it up on the other side of the break. I think it's much more nefarious than that.
1: Yeah, Alex Newman with us here today on Crosstalk and uh, discussing what's behind the deep state and friends uh, just doing a deep dive into the deep state behind the deep state, namely through some of these organizations that have been raised up, but ultimate controller, the devil himself. We'll be back in one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk.
2: VCY invites you to obtain an audio recording of the Gospel According to John as narrated by Brad Canterbury. In the beginning
1: was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God.
2: John's Gospel presenting the words of Jesus, the way of salvation.
0: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever...
2: You can share this as a gift or for listening over and over on your daily commute. VCY America is making available this narrated Gospel of John on two CDs for a donation of $12. Call during business hours 1-800-729-9829. That's 800-729-9829.
1: But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America and friends as we see so much happening around this world at one time. And uh, we see a growing uh, influence by World Economic Forum, uh, by the United Nations, uh, by the World Health Organization. And we're going to get a little bit into these as well and and UNESCO. Uh, friends, we see that that all the things that are happening around this world are not just by chance, not just by accident, but you see so much that are working together in the deep state and the deep state behind the deep state. And uh, Alex Newman is with us here today. He is the, uh, the founder of Liberty Sentinel, uh, libertysentinel.org. You'll find articles there. You'll find his resources there. Also writes as uh, senior editor for The New American, Uh, Alex, we were talking about the Bilderberg Group, and, and you were just uh, beginning to explain this 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 meeting, 120 to 180 people each year. And so tell us more about them. And I understand they actually even have a role in selecting and, and vetting would-be world leaders.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting, and again, uh, a lot of what we know about Bilderberg has come from just off the cuff comments made by members and attendees. I've I've interviewed some of them. I've talked to some of them. Uh, I, I went to the one in Copenhagen, obviously not as a, an invited guest. You know, they wouldn't let us in. We stayed outside, but I was able to confront uh, the leader of the Dutch Labor Party when he came out. Uh, so you know, a lot of them won't talk when they come out, but. Uh, I also uh, tried to attend the one in Chantilly, Virginia. So I've been following these guys for a long time, and I think one of the really important roles that they play is actually vetting people, right? So, so they're looking for people that they can prop up as alleged leaders, and I suspect it's almost like a job interview. You know, and, and again, I don't have—I'm not privy to the kind of the inner workings of this. Uh, very few people are, but you have just a series of very interesting quote-unquote, coincidences, if you want to call them that, where you have people who are really not known at all. Uh, One obvious name that comes to mind is Bill Clinton. He was the governor of Arkansas. He really was not known very much outside of Arkansas. So he shows up at the Bilderberg meeting. And then the very next year, suddenly he, from out of nowhere, becomes the president of the United States. A similar thing happened with uh, multiple U.K. prime ministers, including Tony Blair. Very few people knew who Tony Blair was. He was a relatively insignificant member of the British Parliament, goes to Bilderberg. The very next year, he becomes the prime minister, and suddenly he's a huge kingpin among the globalist movement. Um, The BBC actually reported, which was pretty interesting. This was some years ago, though, but they said that every president of the European Commission, which essentially is the president of Europe, if you will, of the European Union, uh, has attended Bilderberg in the run-up to becoming president of the EU. So um, they seem to do some vetting there. You know, people come there, and I'm sure they get asked questions, you know, what do you think about this, and what do you think about the United Nations, what do you think is the appropriate policy response to whatever crisis. And if they get the answers that they like, you then have this incredibly powerful network That includes uh, some of the biggest names in journalism and media, some of the biggest names in government, some of the biggest names in business, uh, all suddenly working to put you into a position of influence, whether that be president of the United States or prime minister of the United Kingdom or anything else. Um, And so, again, without having details, uh, we do know a little bit from what uh, members and attendees have themselves said publicly. So
1: I'm scratching my head here. How did Donald Trump ever make it past this group?
0: Uh, That's a good question. I I don't believe Donald Trump has ever been, although some of his cabinet members did go, uh, which was a little bit uh, disconcerting. Um, His uh, Secretary of Commerce has been involved with them and also with the Rothschild. Uh, Even uh, Rick Perry, who spent uh, time as uh, Energy Secretary, former governor of Texas, uh, he has attended – And so, uh, you know, I I think Donald Trump was kind of an anomaly. One of the things that almost all of these groups have in common is an incredible disdain for Donald Trump and a lot of the ideas that he espouses. Mm -hmm. You know, when Donald Trump was running around saying we don't want any more multilateral trade agreements that uh, surrender American sovereignty, uh, you know, that's like nails on a chalkboard for these people because that's one of the key processes they're using to undermine national sovereignty. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump never went to the Bohemian Grove, which uh, every Republican president in the last hundred years has gone to the Bohemian Grove, which is a secret little club out in uh, Northern California. So let's
1: bring them up, because we've got the Skull and Bones and Bohemian Grove. Tell us about them.
0: Sure. So these are two of the many secret societies that I think are worth looking at. Um, Now, the Bohemian Grove is unbelievably important, and almost nobody knows about it, which is uh, interesting. It's about 2,500 men. It's, It's all men. Uh, get together, and and I don't believe uh, transgender men, you know, women identifying as men are are welcome, at least not yet. And so they get together at this giant compound in the redwood forests of uh, northern California, uh, at the Bohemian Club, very bizarre place. They have this 40-foot statue, uh, stone statue of an owl, uh, and they do bizarre rituals in front of it. And I know this, you know, to people who don't know this stuff, it probably sounds totally crazy because it is crazy. But uh, they have this 40-foot stone owl. They do rituals, like uh, they call one the cremation of care. Um, And and actually, a journalist snuck in there with a video camera and uh, and got footage of this, Uh, Alex Jones. um, He published this uh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, Very, very bizarre ceremony. And uh, he actually confronted one of the attendees on the streets of Washington, D.C. about the ceremony and about his membership. His name is David Gergen. Uh, top advisor to four presidents, and he said, hey, you remember the Bohemian Grove? Like, Yeah, but we're not supposed to talk about that. And he asked them about this uh, ceremony, the cremation of care, where they're burning this, what they say is an effigy of a child. Um, They said, you know, that's not something I'm going to talk to you about. So uh, very, very influential group. Uh, It's been around for uh, a very long time. In fact, this was uh, founded um, in the 1800s, so it's been around for well over a century. Uh, I mentioned earlier, every Republican president of the last hundred years has attended. Uh, Richard Nixon wrote in his autobiography that uh, the most important speech of his entire career, the one that actually set his political career in motion, was the one he gave at the Bohemian Grove. Mm -hmm. Now, we know from uh, the tapes that came out later, uh, he was not particularly fond of this group. Uh, He called it things that I obviously cannot repeat uh, on radio or in good company, but it involved uh, homosexuality and, uh, some, um, you know, using the names, the, the name of the Lord in vain. So we won't repeat those things. So obviously he was not really a fan of it, but if you read his autobiography, um, you know, he, he says this is the most important speech he gave in his political career. So a uh, very, very influential group, a lot of Democrats involved as well. And um, you asked about the Skull and Bones as well, another very, very powerful secret society. Uh, this one is based at Yale University. Uh, they meet in a, a headquarters called The Tomb, and uh, very small, actually, unbelievably small. They only recruit 15 new members each year. Um, so very exclusive club, um, and yet their members have gone on. Almost all of them go on to become CEOs of the biggest companies. They go on to become presidents. They go on to become uh, justices of the Supreme Court. Um, you know, if you look at the membership list of this organization, it's like a who's who of um, the, the most influential individuals in the United States of America. Uh, and, and oftentimes you have both the left and the right led by members of Skull and Bones. So the, the 2004 election is an example that I use frequently. You know, we've got 320 million, 330 million people in this country, and somehow both of the major party presidential candidates came out of Skull and Bones. That's a, very, very bizarre. Specifically, uh, they engage in strange rituals. Jim, uh, the New York Observer actually got some footage of this, and they aired it on ABC News back in two thousand one. They do mock uh, killings. They kiss skulls. They do you know all kinds of stuff that uh, very much lines up with what the Bible teaches about uh, you know the forces that run wild in our world today.
1: So specifically, you're talking about George W. Bush and John Kerry, correct? That's right. Yep. Wow. Um, so again, so many of these things we could do a full program on every one of them: Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, Bilderberg Group, uh, Bohemian Grove, Skull and Bones. As we talk about the deep state behind the deep state, but Alex, let's let's also how does this all work with the United Nations? Because we see the UN and and the World Economic Forum and 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 uh, who and this that are you know trying to destroy U.S. sovereignty in so many different ways and sovereignty of other nations around the world. Let's bring the U.N. into this. How does this all fit together?
0: Well, the U.N. is actually an integral part of this. Um, When they met in San Francisco to create the United Nations, a very interesting thing happened. All of the delegates went down to the Bohemian Club, (laughs) and there's a very interesting Ph.D. paper written about this by a... um, a Ph.D. candidate at the University of California. Um, I have a copy of it. It's fascinating. And so, uh, you know, back then, uh, you didn't really have a lot of women involved in politics. And so you had all these men from all over the world uh, in San Francisco to, to create the United Nations, what eventually became the United Nations. And they all went down to the Bohemian Club. And, you know, we don't know exactly what they did there, although there's some... Uh, hints in this uh, PhD paper, and we can glean a little bit from what people have said in their biographies and things like this. But um, right from the very beginning, the deep state behind the deep state, as, as I call it, has been intimately intertwined with the United Nations. Uh, and of course, it goes back much further than that, and it goes all the way up to the present day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, Joseph Stalin, the, the mass-murdering dictator of the Soviet Union, was one of the key players in creating the UN after World War II. Um, and our man uh, Alger Hiss, who was supposed to be representing us, that he was the chairman of the conference that wrote the UN Charter. Later, he became the first Secretary General of the UN. He was working for Joseph Stalin. He was a spy for Joseph Stalin. He was convicted and thrown into federal prison. And you know that brings up the next logical question: Is what well, was the Soviet Union involved somehow? And uh, I, I mentioned a very important historian earlier, Anthony Sutton, who wrote the book exposing the Trilateral Commission. He also wrote a very important book on the Order of Skull and Bones. And um, he has a really critical book, if you want to understand the the true nature of what we're dealing with here, about the Soviet Union. It's called uh, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. And what he shows is that the people today that we call deep staters, uh, many of them mega bankers on Wall Street, actually financed the Bolshevik Revolution. Uh, They gave millions of dollars, which at that time was unbelievable amounts of money, to Leon Trotsky, one of the Bolshevik revolutionaries, and Vladimir Lenin, the other key Bolshevik revolutionary. And that doesn't make sense based on the narrative that we've been fed, the idea that communists want to basically loot uh, the richest of the rich and steal their money. Why would the richest of the rich be funding communist revolutionaries? And once you understand that piece of the puzzle, I think what's going on in the world today will make much more sense.
1: Yes, and indeed, I'd also like to bring in the UN in another way because we we know the UN is there to to really bring down our constitutional republic and Alex just earlier this month you wrote an article for the New American entitled UN report condemns US demanding speech control constitutional change and more abortion And I'd like you to, and I know we don't have much time before the break, but just share what this condemnation is that they've made on our nation and what gives them the right or the authority to make demands on our constitutional
0: republic. Yeah, it's a very important report that they put out, uh, very little coverage in the American media, but this will have profound implications for geopolitics and for international relations, things happening behind the scenes between governments and international institutions. And so uh, the U.N., uh, they, they put together these human rights committees That uh, investigate and do reviews on countries. So uh, it was the turn of the United States. And so this Human Rights Committee looked at the United States and looked at whether we were complying, in this case in particular, with an international agreement called the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. A very dangerous document, a very radical document that unfortunately the United States government has signed and ratified. And this document purports to commit the United States to. All sorts of wild policy changes, things that fly in the face of our Constitution, which, incidentally, the U.N. acknowledged this time. They actually demanded that we change our Constitution to comply with the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Right. And so they, you know, they, they do give some praise to the United States. They say Joe Biden's doing a really good job promoting abortion. He's doing a really good job promoting gun control, doing a really good job— uh, promoting a crackdown on free speech, but they say that much, much more needs to be done. Uh, they attack uh, the United States because some of our states are trying to, at least in minor ways, preserve the lives of the unborn in the womb, uh, which the UN considers to be a human rights violation. Uh, the UN considers uh, free speech to be a human rights violation. They say that the US government needs to do more to criminalize and punish what they call hate speech, which is a Soviet concept. Uh, and it goes on from there, it's an atrocity, Jim.
1: Friends, uh, tell you what, I don't believe we're going to be able to grab calls today because I've I've got a couple more things I need to glean from from Alex here today. So stay with us, friends. Lots of information here on the broadcast. We'll be back in just one minute. This is Crosstalk on VCY America.
2: For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. We have a big problem, folks. Christianity is being criminalized greater than ever before. And it's not just Christians. It's those that are speaking Christian truths. You know, the Bible talks about laws and what to do with criminals. It talks about borders. It talks about defending the innocent. And we have some people out there that are talking who maybe are not Christians. But what they're saying is backing up Christian values. And they're being prosecuted. What am I talking about? People on social media talking about violent crimes against Jews, talking about the intrusion of illegal immigrants into their country, whether it's in the UK or Ireland. They're not speaking words of hate or violence against anyone. They're speaking words of truth about defending innocent life and borders. That's a Christian worldview issue. And yet, some of them have now been arrested, are being charged with hate crimes. It is now a war on the Christians and the Jews.
1: Friends, we've got a program packed full of information, and we would encourage you to share it with others. Uh, Within just a couple hours from now, there will be a link up on our website, crosstalkamerica.com. That's free. Go back and listen. We've unveiled a lot of information in this program, what's behind the deep state, Uh, and share the link with others. You're welcome to do that. If you need a hard copy, a CD that you want to distribute to others, we do make those available for a donation of $6 to Crosstalk. CDs are available by calling our switchboard at 800 Seven two nine nine eight two nine. It does cover the the materials we use, the duplication expenses, and getting it mailed to you as well, so that's eight hundred seven two nine nine eight two nine so Alex as we 're talking about the deep state behind the deep state we 're talking about the United nations, their their integral involvement in all of this together. this human rights committee that's determining u s you don't measure up here. you make these changes in in your constitution uh, that makes me scared of the uh, uh, a constitutional convention of Alex. But but... But uh, you you also recently wrote for the the Epoch Times about this powerful U.N. agency that I thought we exited some time ago, UNESCO, that's unveiled a plan to regulate our social media, to regulate online communication. This is rather dangerous.
0: Uh, It's extremely dangerous, Jim. Uh, They're basically coming out of the closet now and telling us that uh, free expression needs to be brought to an end on the Internet. And it's really interesting, this report from UNESCO, because they try to frame it as a way to protect free speech. And so you have the, the Director General of UNESCO, who's an actual socialist, comes out of the Socialist Party, saying, yes, uh, it, it's not a contradiction that we have to silence certain types of speech to protect free speech. What? Where do these people come up with this stuff? So throughout the report, they say, uh, you know, we've got to crack down on, they say governments and uh, the, the businesses involved, the social media platforms, um, have to crack down on uh, misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories, uh, climate skepticism, uh, hate speech, which, you know, right before we went to break, I was explaining that that's actually a Soviet concept. It was the Soviet Union that came up with the idea of hate speech. And uh, you're probably not going to be surprised to know that hate speech was any speech that the communists hated, uh, especially if it was speech that exposed the communists. So they introduced that concept to the U.N., and now the U.N. is demanding through this UNESCO uh, agency, U.N. Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, that every government and every social media platform in the world submit to these global regulations that include censorship of ideas, thoughts, facts, etc., that the U.N. doesn't want spoken.
1: Wow. Well, friends, all of this is uh, unfolding at once. And, Alex, I want to go back to what we stated early in our interview today. And it's in your article on the deep state behind the deep state that you indicate they can be stopped, but they must be identified and exposed. And so we've done a lot of identification, a lot of exposing. There's so much more in that realm. But how is it then they can be stopped? Is there hope?
0: Well, uh, we know for a fact, if you read your Bible, that they are going to be stopped. All all of the deeds that they are perpetrating in darkness are going to be brought into the light. Everything that they're saying in secret is going to be shouted from the rooftops, is what uh, one verse says. And um, we know how this ends, right? Uh, After this period, uh, it ends with every knee is going to bow, and Mm -hmm. every tongue is going to confess. Uh, And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. In the meantime... God has given us clear instructions about what we are to do. Uh, The Great Commission, obviously, is uh, one of the critical things. They've got their Great Reset. We've got our assignment from our Lord and our Savior and our King. We are to go out and make disciples of all nations. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we are to teach them to observe or obey everything that our God has commanded us. So we've got our assignment. Um, Everybody within the body of Christ has been given different talents, different areas of influence, different uh, skills that God has blessed them with. And so, you know, we are one body with many members. Um, Everybody is going to have, you know, a different function, a different role. Uh, Your role, clearly, Jim, is uh, bringing this information to people across the country through Mm -hmm. radio and leading the excellent uh, VCY ministries. Um, You know, my role as a a Christian journalist, uh, I always go to... Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, he says, "...have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, or expose them," is what some translations say. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, in, in my capacity as a journalist, I'm doing my best to reprove and expose this evil all day, every day. But I would say it really begins in our own individual lives, right? As, as God sanctifies us, uh, we, we try to get sin out of our lives. We try to raise godly children. We try to lead godly families. And that has an impact in our communities. Uh, of course, our church is—the is, uh, you know, church around the world and the church in our community have a, a huge role to play in all of this. And so I would just encourage everybody to be in prayer and be reading your Bible. Find out where God has you in this battle. Uh, be comforted by the fact that this battle doesn't depend on us. We couldn't win it through our own power, even if we wanted to. But, um, you know, our God, who we serve, uh, is able to and will completely defeat these folks and uh, their, their father. And, of course, the powers and principalities that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. And so, uh, you know, we just need to be, be doing what we're told by our king and uh, he will handle the bulk of it.
1: Yeah, indeed. And so often, Alex, and I've heard people say, well, you're trying to thwart, you're trying to fight against God, because God said these things are going to happen. You're just fighting against him. How do you address that?
0: Yeah, I I don't think that's uh, an appropriate way of looking at it. In fact, I I would almost say, you know, the enemy might say, hey, don't do anything about this. (laughs) Don't worry about my evil, because God said, uh, I'm going to be doing my evil. Uh, You know, the idea that we just sit back and allow evil to proceed uh, unrestrained uh, without even so much as speaking out uh, is, is flatly not taught by the Scriptures. It is not what God has commanded us to do. Um, and, and from Genesis to Revelation, you see over and over and over again God's people standing against wickedness, whether that be in government, whether that be uh, in church, right? Uh, really, from the very beginning, and you see many examples of uh, righteous defiance of lawlessness, whether it be Moses uh, rebuking Pharaoh or uh, Elijah rebuking Ahab or, or uh, the apostles rebuking the authorities over and over again. And you know, when you read, for example, in the book of Acts, you get a good sense of how we are to be conducting ourselves. And in Acts chapter 17, you have this fascinating little uh, take where uh, God's people are out preaching the gospel, and uh, the authorities got really mad at them. And and they say, you know, what have these guys done? They say they've turned the world upside down. What are they doing? They're saying that there's another king, that there's this king called Jesus Christ. And so we serve a higher king than any other Uh, Yes, everything that God has prophesied is going to come to pass. But we as Christians, we as God's people, have an obligation to stand against evil, to speak against evil, to defend the innocent, and uh, to stand firm on the truths that God has revealed to us in his word.
1: Occupy till I come. Alex Newman, our guest here today on Crosstalk. Alex, thank you for being with us and uh, sharing so much vital information with our listeners.
0: Appreciate it. Bless you.
1: And uh, friends, uh, Alex Newman's website, uh, again, libertysentinel.org, his book on the deep state available there. Also, you can read it, thenewamerican.com, many of his articles. The Bible reminds us, let's be salt, let's be light. God bless
0: you. Thanks for listening to Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America.